Thank you for being here on this Labor Day weekend. I know a lot of people are traveling, but I'm glad you've chosen to, to be a part of our service today. And as uh, Johnny mentioned, Jeff and um, Susan are away on vacation, so be in prayer for them. Also, I kind of want to continue with this evangelism emphasis that we've had uh, on Who's Your One. And I, I want to tell you, first of all, thank you for being a part of that. I know a couple weeks ago we had this whole front covered with cards where you wrote down the name of that one person in your life who's far from Christ that you are praying will come to know Christ. And, and I want you to know that we have taken each one of those cards and prayed for them individually as a staff. And I hope you continue to pray for your who's your one. And we have some, count, uh, some devotional prayer guides out there. That if you have not picked one up, please do that. They are fantastic and help you uh, better pray for that person uh, that you're praying for who does not know Christ. And so I want to talk about today being an everyday witness for Jesus Christ. And, and I know that it's difficult talking with friends, uh, co-workers, neighbors, family members, classmates, those that are far from Christ. It's, it's difficult sometimes to talk to them about Jesus. Now, we can talk about church and we can tell you all things about our church and you ought to come to church and we do this at our church and we do this. And that's not bad. But at some point, that person does not know Christ. You got to move the conversation to here and talk about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life and what he can do in your life. Now, now that's hard. <coughs> that's difficult. It's intimidating. And it's just downright scary sometimes to have to move that conversation to that point for some people. And I think there's a lot of reasons why, first of all, there's that question like, how, how do I do that? How do, I can talk about movies, I can talk about sports, I can talk about my church, but how do I move it to talk about Jesus? How do I start that? Uh, I think sometimes we wonder, what are we going to say if we bring up Jesus? And what are we going to do about all the difficult questions they're, they're going to ask? And we always think they have all these difficult questions, and they don't, but we think that. Or what if they're going to reject me for what I'm saying, for this stand I have for Christ? What if they're going to look at me differently and reject me? Or, or even worse, they make fun of me and label me as intolerant or ignorant or hypocritical or whatever term they might use. Or what if they feel like I'm judging them by talking about Christ and what Christ can do in their life? So I understand all that. I understand how it's difficult for some. But it shouldn't be. It should not be. And there are a lot of reasons that I could list uh, besides these that prevent people from talking about Christ. But sometimes I feel like, hmm, I feel like we are no longer burdened about lost souls. And I'm here to tell you this morning, those who die without Jesus Christ, the Bible is clear, will spend an eternity in a place called hell. That's reality. Christ talked about hell more than any other topic except for faith. So why don't we talk to people? See, I think, I think the two most important things that are being practiced today with our faith is security and secrecy. I think we all want to make sure we're secured in Christ and our eternity is secured and we're going to go to heaven when we die and then we are kind of secret about our faith. We don't talk to people. 
We come home from work. We go into our garage. We drop our garage door. We spend the rest of the day inside our house. At work, we just do our work and get home. We, we don't talk to people anymore about Christ. And because of that, and survey after survey proves this, is that surveys indicate most Christians never make any attempt to share the gospel with another person. Now, I want you to read this carefully. It says most surveys indicate that they have never, never even tried, never made an attempt to share the gospel. Again, it goes back to that security and secrecy that we value and we practice in our walk with Christ. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others is the single most best, greatest gift, important gift you could ever give to someone. And yet, we don't do it. And I think Chuck Swindoll hit the nail on the head. He said, whatever we do, we must not treat the Great Commission like it's the Great Suggestion. And I think that's where we are as Christians today. We see it as a suggestion. The Bible says to go, you therefore to all the world and make disciples. How much would our world change if we just started doing that? How much would our world change if, if all those cards that you wrote down names of, if those people came to know Christ, how much would our world change? We have the answer to all the problems of this world and we have a lot. The answer is Christ. He is the one who can transform. He is the one who can change lives. But we're not sharing that. We're going about our lives, security and secrecy. That's how we're living our faith in Christ. Well, today I'm going to read a passage, a very familiar passage in Acts 3, a very familiar story, but a very powerful story about how we can be an everyday witness for Christ, how we can be someone who's not living like it's the great suggestion, but like it's the great commission and we're called to go and tell people about Christ. And so we're going to read about Peter and John on their way to the temple. And uh, they come in contact with this man. Um, great, great story, powerful story. I can remember when this story, the first time I saw this story, saw, I'm going to use that word, saw this story, was on flannel board. Now, for you millennials and Gen Zs who don't know what flannel board is, talk to, you, talk to your parents. Flannel board was our video screen. That's what we had. And it was like, wow, and they'd stick a person on there, and they'd stick Peter on there, and John on there, and they'd stick the lame man, and we're like, wow, I can remember that. This is a familiar story, but it's a very, very important, powerful story, because in this story, in this story, on their way to the house of God, church, Peter and John are given an unexpected opportunity to witness for Christ. And I want us to see that um, as we begin this passage. So turn in your Bibles to Acts 3. And uh, if you have your device or whatever you want to use, uh, Acts 3. And we're going to kind of walk through this section by section as we see this unexpected opportunity given to Peter and John. And the first thing I want you to see is this crippling condition <clears throat> of this man. So follow along as I read the verses 1 through 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, 
being carried. With being carried from whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. Let me stop right there and let's walk through this just for a second. So Peter and John on their way to church, going to a prayer meeting. And a man lame from birth, who'd been carried all his life, laid there asking for help. And I want you to, first of all, just think about his physical condition. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.22 that he was above the age of 40. So for 40 years, 40 years, <clears throat> this man has been physically carried everywhere he has gone in his life. Now think about that for a second. That means when he had to use the bathroom, somebody carried him. When he had to come sit down and eat, somebody carried him. He's lame. He's, we don't know the condition, but he cannot walk. He cannot stand up. He is lame from birth, and he is, he is I have to would say, a miserable person. Who would not be? And, and just think about the sorrow and the sadness he's had to experience and his family's had to experience with him. Again, this is a different time. But they never saw their son take their first, his first step. They never saw their son go out and play with friends and play tag and hide and seek in the games they played back then. He never could work, grow up and get a job and, and be a fisherman or a soldier or a field worker because he cannot walk. He is physically lame. All he can do is beg. And I think the physical condition of this man illustrates the spiritual condition of those who are outside of Christ. And that is spiritually, people are crippled by sin from birth. The Bible says in Romans 5, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. See, we live in a world that is crippled by sin. And I don't think there's anybody in here that would argue that with me. All around us, we see people who are emotionally crippled, financially crippled, relationally crippled, and on and on. Sin is a crippler. Homes are being disrupted by sin. Lives are disfigured by sin, and sin damages everything it touches. Now, I want you to think for a second in your life, in your circles of influence. Who do you know that's been crippled by sin? What marriages do you know about that have been crippled by divorce? <clears throat> Young people who are crippled by drugs and immorality. Adults crippled by alcohol and materialism. Those without Christ are crippled and need a spiritual healing. So I want you to see this physical condition of this man and see how it represents his spiritual condition that he is crippled both physically and spiritually. But I also want you to hear his pleading call. See, his pleading pictures the unbeliever's condition of, of hopelessness and helplessness rather than um, being okay. He is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And as I think about the pleading call, all around us are cries for help. 
And, and people say, you know what, Shannon, we live in Fort Mill. We live in a very affluent community, and we do. But there's still cries for help out there. Sometimes people do a good job of disguising that. But they have been beat up by the world, and they are hurt. And those without Christ have no chance. They're crying out for help. Job, in this great book, wrote, I go about darkened, not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and I cry for help. And there are people all around us who are darkened by the, by the choices they've made. They're darkened by the sin that's in their life. And they're crying for help. There are a lot of hurting people around us, lost people around us, people that need help. And I want you to understand this. There are people in your past that you walk every day, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's in your neighborhood. There are people in your past every day pleading for help. They're crying out for help. And I want you to understand that it comes oftentimes in discouragement and depression. Um, I've seen this over and over as a pastor. People get discouraged about choices that a spouse has made or children have made. And they, they get discouraged and discouraged. And then slowly but surely move into a state of depression about their life. And these are the people that are in your past every day. They're discouraged and they're depressed. Not only are they discouraged and depressed, I think there's a lot of anxiety and fear going on. When you look at the news, when you watch the stock market, all those things, it causes anxiety, it causes fear. What's, gonna, what's the future having for us? Um, I, I've just pretty much quit watching the news. It's too depressing. We live in a world that's got a lot going on. And I, I think all these things causes anxiety in us and we get worried about stuff. And then there's also just sickness and addictions that people have. Again, these are people that God are putting in your path. Hurting, discouraged, depressed, fearful. These are the people God's putting in your path. Crying for help. They may not be physically crying to you for help, but inside they are crying for help and somebody has got to take time and talk to them. And that's what Peter does. And I want you to look at this next section of scripture and I think there is much here for us to learn as we see how Peter responds to this pleading call for help. So there's a crippling condition. And we move to the second part, there's a connecting conversation. So follow along as I read these verses. And Peter directed his gaze at him. Notice that. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Now stop for a second and let's make sure we understand what's going on here. 
This man, this crippled man, has been brought to the temple day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. He's brought every day. Right there before the gate, people going to the temple, right there asking for help, begging for help, begging for help. And I would venture to say that this man who's crippled probably knows who Peter and John are. Now, now again, realize the context. Acts 2, the chapter before, Peter has preached one of the greatest sermons ever at Pentecost. 3,000 people give their life to Christ. People are coming to Christ every day. I think this man probably knows that's Peter and John coming. And I think he probably got a little encouraged. And, And also see this. When Peter came in, coming up to the temple, there's the lame man. Peter didn't say, sir, I'm heading into prayer time and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you and walk on in. He didn't do that. What I want us to see is what he did and how we can adopt this in our lives, how we can connect people to Christ. The first thing I want you to see is his attentive watch. The Bible says he directed his gaze at him. Peter and John, on their way to church, stopped and saw this man in his physical condition. They gazed their attention on him. You see, if we are spiritually sensitive, God will give us opportunities every day to witness for him. He's on his way. He's looking around. He sees this crippled man. See, our problem today Our problem today is we don't have our heads up looking around. We have our heads down. And this is what we're doing. And it's getting worse and worse, in my opinion. People walking around, and they cannot even walk without doing this and looking at this. And therefore, our eyes are always down. Put them up. Get your head up. Get your eyes looking around. There are people all in your past who need help. And you can't see them. You if you're not spiritually sensitive, you won't see them. If you got your head in this the whole time, you're not going to see those people around you who need help. Peter stopped, directed his gaze at him. But that wasn't all Peter did. He went from attentive watch to an appropriate word. He spoke to him. That's what we have got to start doing. We have got to start talking to people God puts in our path. I know how we are. We're all so busy. We got so many things to do. Got to get this done, this done. Listen, nothing is more important than a person coming to know Jesus Christ and somebody has got to talk to them. And that's what Peter does. He speaks. Now he says, look at us. And that's kind of a weird way to start a conversation, but that's what he said. And I think probably in a very warm way, look at us. In other words, put your attention on me. I want to share something with you. Um, you don't have to be this scholar to start a conversation with someone. Peter shows that. He didn't use any kind of profound statements. He just said, look at us. And then he says, verse 6, I have no silver, I have no gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. See, what Peter did and what we have to do when we talk to people You have to move from what they want to what they need. 
This man wanted money. That's all he wanted, money. But Peter knew that that was not what he needed. See, Peter connected to this man. He, he talked to the man. He turned the talk into spiritual things, and that's what we have to do. You know, we're, we aren't connecting with people like we should. It's a very surface level. Man, we got to talk to people. We've got to find out where they are, what's going on in their life, and then look for those opportunities. Be spiritually sensitive to move those opportunities to things of eternity, things that matter from a spiritual standpoint. We have got to start doing that. And it's important that we talk to people. Learn to use your ordinary daily conversations that you have and learn to transition them to move and talk about what Christ and Christ has done for you. You know, I'll never forget uh, years ago, even before I was in ministry, I went on a mission trip uh, to Shanghai, China. Uh, first time for me to go to China, and of course it's a communist country, and you have to be very careful what you say. Um, you can't proselytize, witness, or they'll, they'll arrest you. They'll put you in prison. So I was over there working with the IMB missionary, and um, uh, his platform was to bring in business leaders and set up meetings with other businesses in China, and I was one of those. I worked for Michelin Tire at that time. So they brought me over. And I'm speaking with executives from Gillette, Gillette the, the, the razor company, up in one of their high risers room, probably 15, 20 people in there. And we had a, me and another gentleman, we had kind of a presentation we put together and we shared some stuff about business, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then we get through, we always ask, are there any questions? You know, and they'd always question about this or this and this and this and this. I'll never forget. And then one man got up. He said, sir, I have a question for you. He said, and they, have, they all spoke very good English. He said, what is the American dream and what does that mean? Now, again, you can't openly witness, but you can answer questions. And I tell you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just, just took over. Here I was, 15, 20 people. I don't know who they are. And there could have been, who, who knows who's in there. But he asked me the question. So I answered. I said, you know, that's a great question. The American dream is all about, you know, men and women getting a good education, uh, getting a good, good job, um, marrying, buying a house, uh, cars, and all these things. And I did all that. I said, I did all that, but I was not happy. And I stopped. I didn't say anything else. I answered his question. But of course, he wasn't going to let me stop at that. He says, why, why were you not happy? I said, I'll tell you why I was not happy. I was happy because there was something missing in my life. I stopped again. again I don't know why I was doing this. The Holy Spirit just took over. Well, he wasn't going to let me in with that. So he said, so, so what was missing in your life? Now, he asked me the question. I'm going to answer it. I said, I'll tell you what was missing in my life. It wasn't religion. It was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just, boom, went right into sharing the plan of salvation to all those men. Now, I don't say that to put me on a pedestal, please. I say that to tell you, 
You can be in a conversation and the Holy Spirit can take over and he can give you the words to say. He can make, he can make that conversation go and flow beautifully. He can move that conversation from daily ordinary things, talking about movies and sports, and he can move it over here to talking about Jesus Christ. Peter connected with this man and he talked to him. And he turned that conversation to things of spiritual matters. Let me ask you a question. When you talk to people or someone comes up and starts talking to you, how about that? Do you begin to instantly think about all the other things you need to be doing instead of talking to this person? When someone comes to you, are you talking, are you afraid that maybe you're going to have to get involved and it's going to cost you some of your resources, your time and, and your money? You know, aside from relationship with, with God, connecting with people is what we need to do. And it takes place everywhere, every time. If we'll just open ourselves up to be used by God. See, Peter saw this man and he knew what he wanted, but he knew what he needed. You see, Peter saw this man as a crippled man who did not need silver, but a man who needed a savior. That piece of silver might have satisfied him for a day, but he wakes up next day still in the same condition as ever. His real need was a healing, was a touch that only Jesus Christ could give. So there was a tent of watch. He looked up, he looked up looking around, being spiritually sensitive, who God puts in his path. And then there's an appropriate word where Peter stops and has a conversation with this man. And then I want you to see this amazing work that takes place. I think one of the most significant things of this verse, uh, passage is verse 7. It says that Peter took the man by the hand and helped raise him up. Now, I don't know if Peter got down to the side to help this man get up, but he, he physically touched this man to help him get up. You see, Peter became personally involved. He came, came down to the side of the man and he touched him. See, Peter's moved now from just having a conversation to someone who's caring. He's personally involved now in this man's life. I want to emphasize here that too many Christians uh, want to pay someone to talk to people about Christ and they, they, they look at church and say, well, that's, Talking to people about Christ, that's the job of the pastor or the deacons or maybe a Sunday school teacher. That's not my job. I'm here to tell you it is. It is. We're all called to be an everyday witness for Christ. I know we're busy. I know we have things going on. But I want you to see how Peter stopped what he was doing, had a conversation, now is getting personally involved in this man's life. You see, Jesus needs our hands to work through. The power was Christ, but the hand, the hands were Peter's. He reached down and touched this man. And Christ immediately healed this man. I love what um, the British evangelist, preacher G. Campbell Morgan said years ago. And he's so true, so true. The church that comes down to the side of a wounded, weary, and sin-sick world extends a helping hand and becomes the church through which Christ is doing his work. 
Man, what a prayer. I hope that is, that is the prayer, that is the heart of First Baptist, Fort Mill. That we come down to the side of a sin-sick world, extend a hand, do the work that Christ has called us to do. I also want you to see how he was healed immediately. The verb phrase there were made strong, his ankles and his feet. As soon as Peter touched him and raised up, immediately he was made strong. And as I think about that, I think about, wow, that is the goal of witnessing. See, there are homes that are broken that need to be mended. There are lives that are shattered because of bad choices and because of sin, and they need to be mended. They need to be made strong, and only Jesus Christ can do that. Through the death and burial and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, and his, he is our great physician, and crippled humanity can be healed only through Jesus Christ. So, in this everyday witness opportunity, we see a crippling condition, and we see a connecting conversation. And we move to the last part, which is a captivating conversion. Follow along as I read these last three verses of this passage. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him, saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And this last thing, I want you to see a couple of things. One, I want you to see this instant change in his life. And I think this change in this man is remarkable, but I want you to notice the sequence of what happens here. The Bible says, for the first time ever in his life, he stood up on his own two feet. He has never done that, 40 years of age. He has never done that. He stands up on his own two feet without the help of anyone. And not only that, he takes that first step and takes another. He's like, well, now I like this. And so what does he start doing? He starts jumping up and down. I'm not going to do that. He starts jumping up and down. Can't stop. And see, when Christ heals someone, in the time it takes this lame man to stand up, his tendons attach. His muscles, there were none all of a sudden grow and grow strong. His sockets realign. Life fills his legs. He stands, he walks, and he leaps. When I read, see that and I read that, I'm reminded of those who give their life to Jesus Christ. The instant you do that, there is a transformation. There is a change in your life. And your life is now filled and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. This man has been changed because of what Christ has done through Peter. This is also an incredible fulfillment of Scripture. Isaiah said 500 years before this ever happened, he wrote, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, then the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. 500 years ago, Isaiah said this is going to happen. This lame man is leaping like a deer because there has been a change in his life.
No, salvation in Jesus Christ provides that instant change, that instant cure for your sin and death. This man needed a physical healing just as you need a spiritual healing. That spiritual change, that spiritual cure can only come through salvation in Jesus Christ. Through repenting of your sin, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the finished work on what he did for you on Calvary, that's the only thing that can change you and save you. So there was this incredible, I mean, this instant change, and then there's this incredible celebration that takes place. And I want you to just stop for a second. See this man. He stands up. He can walk. He can jump. And what does the Bible say he does? He heads straight into the temple. And he is just jumping up and down, shouting, I can walk, I can walk. Glory to God, I can walk. He's jumping up. He's just running everywhere. I'm sure there are some old timers that's like, whoa, whoa, you're in church. But you know, when I think about that, wow. That's how we ought to come to church. That excited that we get to come to church to worship Jesus Christ. We ought to be excited. I know some of you, it's like, oh, here we go again. Or maybe you had a rough morning. I don't know. But pray, pray and get yourself prepared to worship Christ. This man provides a picture of how he was just excited about being in church. And we ought to have that same excitement. See, I firmly believe that seeing lives change will keep the church exciting and joyful. There's nothing as powerful as a testimony of a life that's been changed by Christ. And I look around, I know some of you, and I know where you come from, and I know where I've come from, and I know what I was before Christ. And when I think about what he has done in my life, wow, that makes me want to jump too. Seeing lives change for Christ keeps the church Exciting and joyful. And Christ said this in Luke 15. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And we ought to have that same excitement too. Winning people to Christ keeps the church happy, but more importantly, it keeps it healthy because we're doing what God has called us to do. We need to be everyday witnesses for Jesus Christ. Those people that God puts in our path are crying for help and we can help them. If we'll just stop, take time and talk. So I want to leave you with some takeaways. Some takeaways that may help with this. Because I truly, truly want you to be an everyday witness for Christ. Not just once in a while. I, every day I want, to, I want you to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to first give you a quote that Billy Graham said. and One that's been working on me. He said, Christians ought to carry written in our hearts the solemn truth of how short our opportunity is to witness for Christ and live for him. When I read that, what jumped out to me was that phrase, how short our opportunity is. Let me tell you something. Today, you are one closer one day closer to death than you were yesterday. And tomorrow, you're going to be even closer to death than you are today. Now, we don't like to think like that, but that's reality. Every day we live, we are closer and closer to death. And every day we live, that person that we are praying for, that we want to see come to Christ, every day they live, they are getting closer and closer to death.
so it ought to resonate. Our time is short. Somebody has got to talk to somebody about Jesus. And that, who's your one? I keep praying. But pray that God will give you opportunities. Opportunities to speak to them about Christ. So if we're going to be this ready and alert witness that we need to be, who's looking around, seeing the people in our past that God has placed, that need Christ, if we're going to be that ready and alert witness that's going to reach out to that who's your one that we have, we need to do a couple things. One, we need to open our eyes. Jesus saw people... Jesus saw people through the eyes of compassion. I think we oftentimes see people through the eyes of an inconvenience. We got to change. We got to change and see how we, how we view people. Yeah, there are people who are going to irritate you. I understand that. But Christ died for them. And if they're lost, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. You have got to see them as Christ saw them. A precious, a precious soul. You also need to open your schedule. You know, day and time when, day and age when time is just the most valued resource that we have, you need to change how you look at interruptions and unexpected meetings that you didn't have on your agenda. You need to look at those things differently because they're there for a reason. It's a divine appointment that God has made for you. And just as you keep in your computer or cell phone or whatever, you write down your appointments, haircut appointment, doctor appointment, kids got appointment, blah, blah. You need to open up your schedule and allow time. So when somebody comes in that you were not expecting, or you get a chance to talk to someone that you were not expecting, have the time to sit there and to connect with that person and talk to them about the things of Christ. So we need to open our schedule. Put down the time for those divine appointments. Open our prayers. God works through the prayers of us. He prepares us as we pray. He also prepares the heart of that person that we're going to speak to as we pray. Prepares the heart. Hopefully they'll receive the gospel. Open your hands. People will respond to the actions of your hands and feet long before they'll listen to your words. So that neighbor across the street that needs some help in his yard or whatever, go help him. Go help him. Start a conversation. And then last but not least, talk. Open up your conversations. Talk to people. Listen, I'm as guilty as anybody in this room. I don't go to the grocery store much, but when I do, I walk in the door, my eyes are up, seeing where everything's at, and I'm trying to get in and get out. I, that's the truth. You can ask my wife. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just getting in, getting out. I got things to do. I got to change that. I got to change that. I got to walk around. You know, being in church, we don't get a lot of opportunities to speak to lost people. Most Everybody on our staff knows the Lord. So my coworkers are good, but yours aren't. My neighbors aren't good. We got to find opportunities to have conversations to connect with people some of you are good at that and some of you are scared to death to do that we got to open up our conversations and just live a blessed life Jeff mentioned this months ago maybe even longer than that and the more I think about this this is what we have to do in our lives 
to be that witness that Christ wants us to be. And the first thing he says starts with B, begin with prayer. And I love this prayer. And I encourage you every day that you wake up to take time and pray this prayer. God, give me today an opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus and the wisdom to see it and the courage to take it. You got that right there written down in front of you. Every morning, that ought to be your prayer. Lord, give me today an opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus and then give me the ability and the wisdom to see it and then give me the courage to take it, to start a conversation with them. That's how Christ did. He went from home to home. He just talked to people. Sometimes he preached, but most of the time he just talked to people, told stories, shared the good news. Begin with prayer. Pray for that opportunity. And then listen. Listen to someone. You know, a lot of times there, there are people out there hurting, and if you open up a conversation, they'll begin to share those hurts that you didn't even know were there. But you got to listen. And then look for places where God's at work. Join in there. But listen to those people that God puts in your path. They're hurting. They're crying for help. And if you listen long enough, you'll understand what is going on. And then eat with someone. Now, we all like to eat. I don't think there's anybody in this room who does not like to eat. Eat with someone. Someone far from Christ. Schedule a lunch appointment somewhere. Or better than that, invite them to your home. That's hard for people to do. It's harder for all of us to do. But invite them to your home. Have a cookout, whatever. Share some time with them. Love on them uh, as we can do as Christians. And then serve someone. Respond to the needs of others and help them. Help them in practical and impactful ways. You know, they'll listen to you. They'll, they'll, before they listen to your words, they want to see the actions of your hand and your feet and what you will do for them. So share, serve someone. And then last, share your story. Share your story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life, what Jesus Christ is doing in your life. Share that. We call that a testimony. Every one of you have a testimony. It's powerful. They're different, but they're powerful. Share that. But you've got to first start talking to someone before you can share your testimony. You know, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. That's what we're told to do. And we say here, around the world or across the street. Go and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's a command that God has given us to make a difference in this world. So starting today, not tomorrow, starting today, my prayer is that everyone listening to me, everyone here will become an everyday witness for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this simple passage, powerful passage. So simple. And Father, I pray we'll be like Peter. Father, I pray that, uh, that we'll just slow down in our lives. That we'll look around for those who need help. And Lord, I pray that we'll take the time to stop, to talk, to personally get involved. This world is going to be changed one life at a time. Lord, we have the answer.
for all the problems of this world. We have the answer, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But Father, I pray, I pray that you'll burden us, give us that desire to share with the people you put in our past the good news of Christ. In his name I pray, amen.